starting this week. And if, uh, hi Brenda, good to see you. Um, if you're not in a connect group, um, go ahead and get signed up. It's really exciting. We've got a lot happening on Wednesday nights with men, women. We've got a, um, there's one that I'm leading called uh, Foundations. It's about getting into the Bible in a fresh, brand new way out of Bethel. Um, we've got, a, I think there's a financial peace. I think there's a, a young adult group meeting. There's a few of them. That if you want to sign up out there, you can sign up online. But i um, excited about a brand new session of Connect Groups coming up. So, hey, we're in the middle of a uh, elephant in the room series. I've had a lot of good feedback. Mostly people just are saying, hey, we just like the awkward tension in the room. So if you like awkward tension, if you think it's funny, if you're like one of those that likes, you, you like awkward humor, then hey, you're, you're in, the, in the right place. We've, been, uh, we've talked about all kinds of different things. The thing that really that we're wanting to do is we're wanting to talk about those things that a lot of pastors and churches just don't talk about from the pulpit. And some people are actually like, Jonathan, why are you talking about it? I'm like, well, because it, we have to talk about it. If you can't talk about it from the pulpit, then, then when can you talk about it? And, and I, want our, I want our children and I want um, all of us in this room, I want us to be able to hear from a biblical perspective on some of the hot button issues. We talked about racism the first week and had a great um, uh, video interview from one of our African-American pastors in town, Ken Robinson. And it was just awesome, just a good thing that he shared. And then, and then I shared about um, Jesus going through some Samaria and intentionally um, um, head on hitting the topic of racism um, in week one. And then uh, week two, we hit the topic of homosexuality, and my friend Brady was here, and he just hit it out of the park and did a, um, a Q&A afterwards. And I love, the theme of it was, was compassion without compromise. And, and to be able to walk into those places with both of those things. In fact, that's what, isn't that the, the issue? Really, if we can take compassion without compromise into all of these social issues that we hit, wouldn't that be the best way to approach it? And then last week, um, now I noticed that, that um, some of you got, must have uh, heard the rumor weed because half of you were not here last week when I talked about gossip. So <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. But hey, if you, if you weren't here, I would suggest you listen to it. It's a great one. Just a great one. All right. So uh, that was another one of those awkward uh, moments that I love. So uh, gossip was last week. And gossip, it was this thing. We, we just treated it as every other sin. And, and looking at it as, as instead of elevating it above other sins or instead of like diminishing it. Because most of the time in the church, we kind of just like, oh, I mean, it's kind of just part of life that we're going to gossip. And it's not that big. A, when we realize in the, in the word that the Lord looks at gossip as a big deal, as like one of the abominations. And so we, so we thought we'd take a look at it. And the thought was this, as with every sin, God desires to expose gossip in our lives, not with the goal of embarrassment, but rather the goal of healing, freedom, and unity. And so we're just gonna, we're gonna hit just a lighter topic today since it's been real, real, um, real heavy the last few weeks. We're gonna go a little bit lighter. We're just gonna talk about politics today. And we're gonna take that on just for a few minutes. And then we'll go have lunch. Does that sound good? Politics. Um, first of all, I, this, is, I, I, this is my goal. I, I wanna make highly poli uh, politicized statements that will cause irreconcilable differences and ultimately split our church. That's my, that's my goal this morning. Um, I like the, the de I found a definition um, 
on politics, and it's really good because from a pastor, uh, you guys know that like, like uh, we really enjoy digging into like the original Greek and Hebrew and splitting apart words and what's it really mean. So when you, like the definition of politics, I mean, you take it, you split it in half, well, poly means many, you guys can understand that, and ticks means blood-sucking animals. So, so we've got, got a lot of good... Good stuff to talk about today. Um, so let me just ask a few questions, and I just, I just want to know a response by, the, by a raise of hands today. Um, how many of you are actually enjoying the drama and the chaos of the elections and all of those things? Raise your hand if you're just like, you're one of those sick ones that enjoy it. Yeah, you and me, right there. Yeah, you just, I mean, it's just kind of, you're like, it's entertaining, whatever, it's fun. You're just, you're waiting for them to knock somebody out. And, all right. How many, uh, just be honest, raise a hand. How many just can't wait for it to be over? Just, just you're like me, I just want to, good, 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 one, one or two of you. Um, how many say, if you just be honest with me, you'd say, I hate it when the subject of politics comes up. Anybody just raise your hand? I just hate it when the subject of politics, I'll try my best to hurry, gentlemen in the back. We'll just, we'll get this over with. Um, how many of you are the ones, you, you like to bring it up? You're the, right? Yep, over there. You're like, you're like, I like, I'm the one, I like to bring it up. Okay. That would be me too, evidently. I'm doing it right now. Um, how many of you, to be honest, you've watched all of the debates and all of the conventions and you're just like, you're in the know. No, anybody? Right? Anybody like intentionally turned the channel or turned it off? Yeah, probably. All right. Um, how many, now just be honest, all over this room, um, and I know if you're being honest or not, Holy Spirit tells me. That's my that's kind of why, why I get paid to do this. Um, how many of you already made up your mind on who you're voting for? Uh, good, good, good. We got some hesitations going up. Wait, if I raise my hand, is that you know, all right? yeah? You're all right. You'll be okay. It's a safe place for the most part. Um, who thinks churches and pastors should stay away from all things political? All right, we got. You've been really honest. I appreciate that, sir. Really appreciate that. And again, I'm going to try to. Um, get done with this as fast as I can. So, all right. I've been, uh, I've actually, it's been, it's been an, an interesting ride over the, these last few months as the political um, drama has unfolded. And, and it, more than any other year that in, in my um, young life, and I would imagine as I've, uh, as I've talked to a lot of you, um, probably more than any other time in history, this political drama has been so divided. It's been so divisive on, on either side of the, of the aisle and, 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 other, and, and other aisles that are, that are rising up. I mean, this is just, it's, it's been an interesting ride to say the least. Um, and it's been, there's been a conundrum really of like, as a Christian, as a conservative Christian, as a Bible believing, whatever, how do I, what, what do I do? How do I vote? What, what's going on? I've, I've heard some people say, well, I just, I just can't vote this year. And, and that's an interesting, and I, I get it. Um, I would say a, a non-vote is still a vote. And, uh, and maybe uh, I, was, I was watching a, um, a Q&A by some, some top leaders in a Christian organization that's probably the, the largest conservative Christian organization in the world. And I was watching an, uh, just a Q&A between two of these guys that they've got like more degrees than, than, I mean, than you can count probably. And they were going back and forth and they were saying, well, they absolutely can't, um, can't vote for one candidate um, because of the party platform. And some of the moral issues and things like this. And, and then and they say, but we also absolutely can't vote for the other candidate. 
because, of, uh, uh, because there's, uh, uh, the conscience would say that there's just some character that's just, out, um, just outlandish. And, and uh, they, would, they would look back at even just a few years ago with one of our presidents that um, you know, it depends on what your definition of is, is. And, uh, and all of those things, right? And so, he, so they're like, well, gosh, if, if, if that was wrong, well, then we'll look at the history, look at the track record of this one and all that. And so it was interesting, uh, Q&A kind of, a, and not really a debate, more than just more informative. And, and so they, their, their stance was, we're just going to write in a candidate because we can't vote for either of the, the two major ones. Then I uh, listened to some other pastors and sermons and people getting on their soapbox and and there's absolutely no question that we should vote party platform absolutely as a christian right because there's because look at what the party stands for and after all this year more than others uh what about the supreme court justice what about some of these moral issues? Like um, I heard one just totally, uh, obviously talking about like abortion. And, and we don't bring up topics like that flippantly. I know that there's people even in this room that have been touched by the pain of, of abortion and things like that. And, um, and there's total compassion and love there. But isn't that, but it's an interesting place. Like, well, man, they're, they're, we're talking about abortion. Or what about, one person was said, said whatever we do, we got to vote someone in that's going to take care of our national debt. How many know that's a good idea? Right? We don't want to leave that to our children and grandchildren. And I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, and sanctity of marriage and everything. And so um, I wanted to just uh, officially just tell you who I'm endorsing. <laughs> I was thinking about that. But if I told you, then I'd have to kill you. And that would be, that'd be bad. <laughs> there was a, uh, a lame duck president that met with his successor in the Oval Office. Near the end of the orientation, he presented the incoming um, leader with three numbered envelopes with specific instructions to open in order when um, great difficulties arose in the country. After the new president completed his honeymoon season uh, period with the media and the public, um, there was a, a, an economic downturn that the country experienced, and so he opened the first envelope. Inside was a card that read, blame me. So he did. He criticized the former administration and all of that good stuff. And after the new president completed um, that season, after a while, social upheaval um, brought about a critical domestic crisis. The president opened the second envelope then, and inside it read, blame my party. And so he did so. And he did it in an overt display of, of partisan politics. And about a year later, foreign policy resulted in serious problems. And the president opened the third envelope. And inside the card read, prepare three envelopes. <laughs> There's a story of a four-year-old who... Uh, tugged on her dad when he had been watching political ads. And, he, and she begged him to stop and read her a fairy tale. So weary of watching all the ads, he, he eagerly agreed and he began reading this fairy tale. But no sooner had he started than the four-year-old interrupted him, interrupted the story, tugged on him and asked, Daddy, do all fairy tales begin with once upon a time? And he responded, no, sweetheart. Most fairy tales begin with, and when I'm elected. 
So obviously, as a church, you know, it's good. We, need to, we need to have a little bit of humor when we talk about this subject. Otherwise, I'm just not going to get through this. And so thank you for, for laughing. Um, but our job, really, as a church is, would you agree that our job is to make disciples? Our job as a church is to make authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And, and really, we've got we've to stay true to that mission. And we are what we would call apolitical. In other words, we don't endorse parties or candidates or anything like that unless they give us large sums of money. So, but I would just say this, we need to engage in politics. There's, um, if I have my numbers right, at the last, the last round of, of elections, um, um, when, you, when we were voting on, I think it was Obama and Hillary, or it was Obama and McCain, one of those, there was um, about 60 million um, eligible um, voters that were Christian, Christian eligible voters, and only about half of them actually voted. And the interesting thing is, is uh, most elections are decided, are decided by about uh, 10 million votes. And so I just, I look at us as a church and, and the Christians even just nationwide, and it is so important for us to, um, to have a voice in what's happening politically. I will say that, that politics isn't the answer that Jesus is, that love is. But it's also irresponsible of us to not be involved. And actually, we can, um, we can change some things by, um, by just getting out there and voting. And so I'll get off my soapbox with that. And I'll actually, how about I just preach the, the word of God? Does that sound good? <laughs> All right. We, um, we actually exist as a church to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But often our politics get in the way of that simple mission. Would you agree? And, and so here's, um, here's the main thought today. If we could walk away with this main thought, here's the thought. Put your faith ahead of your politics. Be a Christ follower first and champion a political party or a candidate second. Could we just, could we agree to that? That we're going to be a Christ follower first and then we'll champion a political party or a candidate second. It's easier said than done. Here's the reason why. It's because few of us see any conflict between our faith and our politics. If we were to take a poll even in just this room with this small amount of people, few of us see any conflict between our faith and our politics. And I'll prove that to you right now. First of all, some of you would say, well, I'm a Republican because I'm a Christian. You might say, well... My faith and my politics are synonymous. If you're a Republican, well, of course God is always right. And you're right. Right? After all, Matthew was a tax collector, and they were often called tax collectors publicans. Luke chapter 5. Starting in verse 31, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, people on the right, righteous. Right? And then there's sinners on the left. So, obviously, Republican. I don't know. But then if you're a Democrat, you're saying, are you kidding me? Right? Raise your hand if you're a Democrat. No, I'm just joking. You're saying, are you kidding me? 
Jesus was a healthcare dispensing machine. People lined up for hours for his supernatural health care. He got on the case of rich people because they were going to do, like, poke themselves in the eye with a needle or something. I can't remember the verse. He gave away food on at least two occasions. I mean, come on. Jesus was clearly Democrat. Matthew 15, verse 37. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Left over. See right there buried in the text. But anyone with eyes could see left. Although he was clearly Democrat. But then... If you're libertarian, you would, you would point to the obvious place in the scripture that says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free or liberated. You would point to the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do anything else to be saved and Jesus would point out the the Ten Commandments, the laws, and, and I've done all of that, anything else, would give your money to the poor, all of that stuff. You would see then that obviously we know that Jesus what Jesus thought about rules and rulers. The Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, now this is the nail in the coffin. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, right? Work with your own hands and mind your own business, libertarians. I don't know. just seems that we can probably build a case for any one of these. Now I've offended at least one or two people in the room. And so since we're all offended, let's get into this. So it's not enough to say Bible first and politics second. It's really not enough to say Bible first, politics second. The reason is, is because all the parties can point to something in the Bible to support their view. And it's also not enough to say Jesus first in politics second. It really isn't to, because all the parties can really point to things Jesus said to support, their, to support their view. So it's interesting here. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. For us to get this right, and we can get this right. For us to get this right, and we must get this right. This requires more than reading what the Bible says or what Jesus said. And we actually have to do what Jesus did. This is where we're going to go. I love, this, uh, I love this quote and this is where we're going to be. If you want to know how do we keep our faith in front of our politics, this is the way you do it. The way you keep your faith in front of your politics, put people first and politics second. If you want to keep your faith in front of your politics, you put people first and politics second. Pastor by the name of Andy Stanley, he says, we can disagree on what's best for people, but we can't disagree that what's best for people is what's best. 
We can disagree on what's best, but we can't disagree that what's best for people is what's best. I'll try to say that five times fast. Jesus was for what was best for people. We know this because of the most famous scripture in the Bible. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so there's two thoughts I want to focus in on today. Number one is this, if you're taking notes. Blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. Family comes first. Your spiritual family, your natural family, family comes first. Before all of this, people first, politics second. Your, your, your family comes first. The divisions disappear in Galatians chapter 3. Read this with me. Well, not, you don't have to read it out loud, but read it at least in your heart. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So allegiance to Christ first Allegiance to your spiritual family and natural family second, and everything else comes third. Everything else. There's a group that comes to Jesus in Matthew 22. And they were the Pharisees, and, and just before this, there was another group called the Sadducees. And these were all political groups within the Jewish um, faith. And, and the Sadducees had just got done really um, uh, getting told what to do by Jesus they come to G the Sadducees had come to Jesus and they just said, they said, uh, so um, tell us about like marriage and the resurrection and who are we going to be married to after we die if, if like we've had more than one spouse and can we get married after the resurrection, all this stuff. And, and Jesus puts them in their place and so the Sadducees are quieted down. And then the Pharisees come and they're like, and they roll up their sleeves and we got this one. It's like they, they tagged in and, and now, now they're going to talk to Jesus. And so they come to Jesus and, and, and this group of Pharisees say, Jesus, tell us what's, more, what's most important. Out of everything, what's most important? Out of, out of all of the law, out of all of the prophets, out of everything, what's most and, and you know what they were doing? All of these groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all of these groups, they were trying to catch Jesus in blasphemy and in error because they wanted a way to arrest him. And Jesus was brilliant with all this stuff. He was brilliant at, at answering a question with a question and leaving people hanging and, and, being, and with their jaws dropped and, and just like, where does this man get all of this wisdom? I mean, they, Jesus was brilliant. And so he does it again here with the Pharisees in Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replies to the Pharisees who are asking, what is the most important thing? And Jesus said this, love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so he was saying, love God. And the second is like it. The second is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love God on the inside and demonstrate it on the outside. Love God on the inside and with the way you live your life and are, and are interacting with people, demonstrate it on the outside. John 
chapter 13, Jesus is talking and he had just gotten done washing his disciples' feet. And it was just an interesting moment there where he was demonstrating love and servanthood and all of this. The, the man who they should have been washing his feet, right? He was washing their feet. And, and you move on towards the end of that chapter in John 13. And, and Jesus says this, a new command I give you. Which always uh, hits me funny. A new command. He's going to talk about love and he's going to say, this is a brand new one, guys. We never thought about this before. But it's not exactly what was going on because in the original language, in the original Greek and all of this stuff, Jesus, he wasn't saying this is brand new, never thought of. What he was saying in that language was this, was that it was a fresh commandment or it was the opposite of outworn. It was presented in a new way. It was like he was saying, hear this again for the first time. He says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Which is interesting to me because if we were to all leave this place and go to where we go and to Kearney, how many people would just, just know that we are his disciples? How many of us would the average person walking on the street be able to look at our life and just say, oh, they must be a Christian? Because look at how they love so well. It's ridiculous. We get this wrong so bad, and especially in the church. Especially in the church. Well, we don't show love well. And Jesus is like, hey, let me paint this again in a new way. Actually, you didn't hear it the first time, so pretty much this is a new commandment that I give you. Love. Love well. And to the degree that you love well is the degree that everybody out there is going to know that you're a follower of me. I was working out with Matt O'Neill, uh, I think, this, this last week, and I was, I was uh, kind of showing my cards a little bit what, what I was going to preach on. I'm like, I'm just struggling for the angle. And he's like, well, it's the same angle that you've had this whole series. What's that? Enlighten me, right? And, and well, you preached on racism. It was all about love. We did homosexuality, and it was all about love. We did gossip, and it was all about love. Now we're talking politics. Can we just continue the theme? It's about love. I'm like, you should have my job. <laughs> Pays really well. It's all about love. We may debate what's best, but we dare not debate that what's best for people is what's best. Jesus was saying, if you don't remember anything else, like, you know, like, like the classic preacher, if you only remember one thing, 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 remember this, this, this. And Jesus was saying that. If you only remember one thing, love God and demonstrate it by your love for people. If you want to keep your faith ahead of your politics, you put people ahead of your politics. We ima just imagine that if every person... Christ follower or not, imagine if every person in the U.S. between now and November 8th decided that I'm just going to love people as I love myself. I'm just going to do for others what I would want them to do for me. Imagine if every person did that. We would almost not need any laws. 
it would almost not matter even who the president was if we just loved well. If the body of Christ even just rose up and got our love on, so to speak. You'd still have laws, but they wouldn't need to be enforced because we would be actually caring about other people, that we would love others as we would want them to love us. It would be interesting which of our laws would become irrelevant if we just loved well. Love for God on the inside and how I treat my neighbor on the outside. Here, number two. Moving quickly along. Number two is don't pass judgment on disputable matters. And, and it's closely related to the first one, but it, we, we zero in on it a little bit here. Don't pass judgment on disputable matters. In other words, watch this. Don't turn something that the Bible is black and white on into gray. That's called relativism. But those areas where the Bible is gray on, in the same way, don't turn them black and white. Does that make sense? So let's not pass judgment on disputable matters. Romans chapter 14 verse 1 says this. It says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. In other words, give biblical latitude on disputable matters. There's a guy, must be Latin or something, Rubertus Meldinius. He said this, in the essentials unity, in the non-essentials liberty, and in all things charity. Your, your behavior makes perfect sense to you. Would you agree? Everyone's behavior makes perfect sense to them. Your political views make perfect sense to you. Would you agree? Everyone's political views make perfect sense to them. Which is interesting, and you guys are like, hey, Captain Obvious. And so because of this, when you don't understand why someone would do or support or believe something different than you, here's the aha moment. There's something you don't know. There's something you don't know. And so be a student, not a critic. You may learn something. Be curious. I love this quote by Andy Stanley. He says, Jesus followers should be the most confident, curious, composed, compassionate people in the room. Watch this. Jesus followers should be the most confident. We, we know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen. We've read the end of the book. We, we also know our Savior. We know what happened on the cross. We know what was won for us. We know that regardless of what happens in our country, there's a security that we can walk in. We should be the most confident. We should be the ones that aren't walking around in fear and, and, and wondering and flipping to this channel and that channel and, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? I don't know. Oh, my, Pastor Jonathan, please tell me. I know you want me to endorse a candidate right now. We should be the most confident. We should be the most curious. We should be those ones that even though we're sure in what we believe and maybe sure in even how we're voting, can't we just be also curious as to why someone else is 
voting the way they're voting or believing the way they're believing, wouldn't that be a great approach? We should be the most curious. We should be the most composed. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we as Christians, maybe there's a verse in there somewhere, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Couldn't we be the most composed even at family reunions? Couldn't we be the most composed? We definitely should be the most compassionate. As the body of Christ, there's a reason why someone believes the way they believe. There's a story. And we should have the most compassion. Let me give you four questions. As you encounter people over the next few weeks, and some of you are going to just hide in a hole, but if you do encounter people over the next few weeks and months as we approach November 8th, and you encounter somebody that believes differently than you, here's some questions that may help you love better. Number one, somebody comes to you and they believe differently. Wouldn't it be a great question to say, what led you to that view? What led you to that view? Most of the time we're getting the last sentence in the discussion. Most of the time we're just, we, we hear their, their voting view, we hear the, their, their political platform that they're supporting and we just all of a sudden, we heard the last part of the discussion. What if we stopped and say, what led you? What led you to that view? Here's number two. This is a great one. Have you always held that view? What if you ask somebody that? Have you always held that view? Man, as a Christian, what if this led me into a spiritual conversation with somebody? Maybe there was a moment in their life or a season of their life where they believed differently and something happened, something shifted, and now all of a sudden they have a different view. Wouldn't it be great to at least, whether we agree or not, wouldn't it be great to understand why? Have you always held that view? Here's number three, and, and in light of our Topic last week of gossip and all of that. There's gossip in politics. Here's a great one, a little bit snarky, but it's still good though. Have you met him or her? Right? They're talking about their political candidate, whatever, local, national, whatever. Oh, have you met? Have you met that person? And then, and then when they tell you no, because most of them probably haven't, then just say, oh. Oh, have you met that person? Oh, and then just like, oh, okay. Here, here, here's, here's the last question. Here's number four. You, you start off with the statement. I get most of my information from the media. How about you? Because it's true. I get most of my information from the media. How about you? And the reason why that's such a good question is because we're both inadequately informed and we're both probably wrong. Man, I just love this topic. It's so awkward. I love you could just cut it. This is great. Those are great questions, aren't they? When you just at least start a good conversation there, and no one's saying that you have to change your, your view, but from a place of neutrality, man, you could, you could win someone to the Lord with that, this conversation. You could love somebody well with this conversation. You can make the weird church on the hill look good with this conversation. So by all means, get your love on. So here's a couple other things. Some of you may be wondering this. 
Should you have an opinion? Yes. Yes, you should have an opinion. Yes, you should be the most informed that you can. And you should, you should have that opinion. You should. Should you argue your point? Yes. You should argue your point. When it's appropriate. You should. Because what you think and what you've researched and the conclusions you've come to, man, I'm going to learn from you and you're going to learn from me. And it would be just a great opportunity. You definitely have an opinion. And definitely, when it's appropriate, argue your point. For sure. Well, here's the next one. Should you make a point at the expense of influence? No. Absolutely not. Jesus said that you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We cannot lose our influence. We can't. We can't lose our influence unnecessarily, and especially over political issues. Especially. You know that your opinion really doesn't matter? Your vote does. But your opinion, at the end of the day, we got a lot of opinions. Your vote matters. Your vote matters. I like this. We bring it back to the Beginning thought, we can disagree on what's best for people, but we can't disagree that what's best for people is what's best. We have an opportunity to showcase our political diversity in a way that honors God who made us so diverse. So people first. How about people first? Because Republican, Democrat, left or right, You are all precious in his sight because Jesus loves the little children of the world. Here's a quote by a guy named Shane Claiborne. What is more important than how we vote on November 8th is how we live on November 7th and November 9th. We vote every day with our lives. We vote every day with our feet, our hands, our lips, and our wallets. Ultimate change does not happen one day every four years. Let me close with a story. I um, was at a family reunion on the left side of our family. (laughs) But it's true. (laughs) So we were at a family reunion and um, it it was actually, it was a birthday party. And, you know, like most families, you just, you never talk about politics or religion, right? You know, unless you're a pastor, but I guess there's a clause in there somewhere. But we were at this family reunion and we're having a, having a good time until everything shifted. And I don't remember exactly how it went down, but someone, uh, politics came up and, uh, and my wife was on the spot because, you know, Brad and I were just watching football in the other room and... So politics come up, and someone says, so, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll show our hand here, but just know that there's love for people that don't believe the same way we do. So they say, so why are you, uh, why don't you vote Democrat? And she, my, oh, bless my wife, she said, well, I guess when I grew up, I uh, got a brain and learned how to think for myself. <laughs> so... That was interesting. That was interesting. I'm, I didn't know. I, you know, you, you don't just marry a person. You marry their whole family. And 
So that was great. And then, um, so we, so, so, so it was on now. It was on like Donkey Kong. And, and now they were kind of wondering, so, so what's the, uh, give me one. In fact, I, I remember it was, it was a step-grandma. And she says, give me one good reason. Give me one good reason why you wouldn't vote. On the, I'll, I'll just say on that side now. And she's like, well, I just, I just don't want, I, let's just not talk about it, right? Can we, just, can we just change the subject? There's no good fruit that's going to come from this. I mean, I mean really, and, and they kept pressing and they kept pressing. And you know, if you press my wife, come on, you're going to get an answer. I mean, I learned this early on, you know, just be careful when you press. So evidently, step-grandma didn't, didn't know the boundaries. And finally, Becky's like, well... What about the issue of abortion? Right? Again, with total compassion in this room. And she's like, I just, I, I can't get past that one simple issue. You read the party platform and it supports this and I just can't get past that. I mean, it's just simple. Let's move on. I answered you, but no. I'm just watching football in the other room. And all of a sudden, doors are slamming. People are running out of the house. Brad and I are just. <laughs> Pork rind? Interesting, led to a, just a great um, conversation. Um, I decided I should enter, <laughs> enter the ring. And Grandpa was uh, sitting there at the table, staunch Democrat sat down and just started talking. Started having like an actual conversation about his views and my views. And it was great. I don't know how long it lasted, but it was a while. At the end of this conversation, he says, I've never had a civil conversation with someone that believes differently than me politically. I'm like, oh, well, hey, you know, nice to meet you. And he said this. He says, when I die, would you do my funeral? Wow. I said, well, I mean, I will send you our contract and everything if you're, you know. We'll. <laughs> so, I don't know, a few years later, um, Grandpa was, um, he was sick in the hospital. We didn't know what was going on. Becky ended up being able to go up to the hospital and have some time with him. And Becky leads Grandpa to the Lord, uh, just saving knowledge of Jesus. Just incredible, beautiful story. And he was still Democrat to the day he died. And um, so, uh, I don't know, it was, I don't know, a year, year ago, about two years ago, um, we get the phone call that they would like me to do Grandpa's funeral because he passed away. And so I took him up on, on the offer, went, shared clear gospel message. The whole family got to hear. It was awesome. I think there was probably more unity with this divided family in this uh, funeral setting than ever before. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing. But you know, if I hadn't learned to put people first and politics second, I just wonder. I wonder. I wonder what would have happened. I wonder if those people would have got the opportunity to hear the message of the gospel. I wonder if Grandpa would have had the opportunity to be led to the Lord by his granddaughter. I don't know. I don't know the, what would have happened. But can I just encourage you, in this political season or any season, people first. 
politics second. And that's how you keep faith ahead of politics. Can we stand? And now let's just do some jumping jacks and stretch. And praise God. Praise God. Man, this whole series, we'll, we'll finish up next week. And uh, next week's going to be the, the hardest of all. So you'll just have to, you'll have to pray for me. But this whole thing is really just about how, how can we love well. And if you've struggled to love people that think differently than you and believe differently than you, then this is just a great opportunity for you to allow the Lord to just touch your heart right now. To let walls come down, let prejudices come down, and, and to be able to worship in the same room with those that believe differently politically and, and believe, and maybe they don't even love Jesus yet. Man, let's just love well. Lord, all over this room, from my right to my left, would you touch all of our hearts? Any area of our heart where we've put a wall up between us and people, would you help those walls come down? Would you just start taking out those bricks? Let the walls come down and may we learn how to love well. May the world out there, may the whole city of Kearney and all of the communities that, that we're from and, and the spheres of influence, may they know that we are disciples of Jesus because we love you well and we love each other well. And let Pastor Kelly and his team just close us in one song here. And when we're done, if you need to leave, you can leave. And if you'd like to, if you, there's something that you need prayer for, then we'll just open up the altars and we'll have some prayer time. But God is good. He's not caught off guard by what's happening in our nation. He's actually, guess what? He's actually still in control. Let's worship. stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean Yeah.
to stay and worship. If you want to come up and pray, if you need to leave, you can leave. I just encourage you, Pastor Bo's having a time of prayer tonight here in the sanctuary. And uh, just praying for our church and our city and our country and all those things. And so if you'd like to be part of that, just come back tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you guys. Love you.